Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pixar Panic. Let's do the intros at the beginning this time. I am Wesley Hunt, Dr. W, joined by my usual posse. Hello, everybody. I'm Irish Husky. I am the host of the original season of Mouse Madness. I created this podcast out of boredom during the COVID pandemic. Uh, in real life, I am an actuary and a mathematician, and I don't do many voice impressions, but I can do the voice of Hootie from the Owl House. It's great to be a part of something. Hooray! That was pretty good, actually. That's, that's good. Yeah. I love uh, doing falsetto. I... <laughs> I'm Carrick and Nemnit, also known as Raccoon Bro. I am the resident working voice actor, although I normally study cyber engineering at my college. And I was recently a finalist in the voice acting competition, Now Voiceless, that is hosted every year by Chuck Huber, and that felt pretty cool. Has that been determined yet? Uh, yes, the winner was determined. I did not win, but I it was somebody out of like 26 people, and 2,000 people entered, so I felt pretty good making it that far. Hey, second Damn. place. That's good. Damn, that's yeah. that's like top ninety-eight yeah. percent. It's 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 interesting the way they do or that top because two percent, I should say. Top basically what sounds much worse. They ch basically when it gets to the final round, they pick three finalists. I was not one of those three that was picked, and then they put those names in a hat and they draw from the hat, and the winner is the ultimate winner. And it's meant to replicate the idea that when you're auditioning for something, there are so many voice actors going for that job that most of the time it just comes down to luck that makes okay, sense good. we have one more hello everyone i am jetson lennox aka yoda jets 10 i am a reviewer of animation and i also write a lot of stories and i also do a lot of voices like shaggy from scooby-doo i'm also scooby-doo too <laughs> that's a new one. Oh, that that felt very casey Kasem. <laughs> thanks right well, anyway, we had a huge turnout for round one. I was impressed. We saw numbers higher than most of Mouse Madness. The highest one round had 41 votes. But here we go with the results. I will just say there were no real surprises. The first matchup was... Bugs Life defeated Cars 25 to 16. Wow. I can't, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not that surprised really because Cars has such a uh, weird reputation. I, I'm kind of surprised that Cars held on as long as it did. Yeah, it's pretty cyclical. People started out liking this movie fine when it came out, then they started hating it. Now it's going back to starting to be liked. This was the closest matchup we had this week. Mild spoiler. Uh, I feel bad for the car. I feel bad for the Cars trilogy because Cars is like generally considered the best one in the trilogy, and it already lost. Yeah. 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 And, then, and, and then we had Monsters Inc. defeated Onward twenty-five to six. Yeah. Uh, now I guess recency bias couldn't help it with that one. Nope. Yeah, um, I'm I'm one of the people then, who voted for Onward. Same. Interesting. And then, and then we had the mother of all blowouts towards the end of year. Toy Story 4 beat the good dinosaur 34 to 3. Oh, oh my god. I wonder if Good Dinosaur would have won against any other film. Maybe Cars 2. Possibly. Uh, even then, I'm not sure. I, wow. I, you guys want to well. do 
Do you guys want to do a version of this where we try to figure out the worst Disney movies at some point? Mm. Uh, that, um, that just seems mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here we have something funny. You see, all the sequels that are not Toy Story just so happen to be lumped on the same side of the bracket. Oh, really? Yeah, if you notice that, we'll be discussing a few of them today. We'll be discussing all of them today. But the Toy Story movies, three of them got buys and one of them advanced. Toy Story, man. Just that's such a... Just the name Toy Story, everyone understands it. It's legendary. It's basically it synonymous with Pixar. It has that prestige, and I feel great because we're the same age. I like <laughs> they're drawn from Pixar. But, uh, I, I'm the same age as Toy Story too. Right, I, I'm the, the same sequel. age as Toy Story. I'm, I'm the same age as the first one. And yeah, I, you and, I and I'm six months younger than Toy Story. By by yeah. the way, when, when I said two, I meant like the number two, not as in like T O O, just so we're clear. Gotcha. Right. But um. But this week, we have another sequel that comes up before its predecessor, number 15, Finding Dory, versus number 18, Brave. Since we have eight films this week, we'll take turns from the top, from the top first user listed, and then I'll go last. So, Nick, your turn. All right. So, Finding Dory versus Brave. Um. I'll be straight with you. It's been a while since I watched Finding Dory, uh, specifically for this tournament. I think it was a couple months ago. And uh, I don't remember a ton about it specifically compared to its predecessor, Finding Nemo. I do remember liking a lot of it, though. Um, I like the characterization they gave Dory. Um, I like her backstory, and you know, I like how her... You know, forgetfulness is uh, linked to something a lot deeper than simple short-term memory loss. Um, I really like the ending where all the fish are uh, driving that truck and just crash it into the harbor. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It was a weird feeling hearing that with uh, Louis Armstrong's "What a Wonderful World" playing over it. Wow, that was amazing. I mean, that, that song's uh, often used for irony in movies. Like, it's not a wonderful world if you hear that song. Yeah. Pure absur- absurdism at its finest. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, what it reminded, yeah, but- what it reminds me the most of is honestly uh, ba- uh, scenes from Malcolm in the Middle, where the boys or Lois is doing something really destructive, but it has this happy music in the background. Like there's this one episode, there's this one episode where Lois gets into a car fight with someone in the parking lot while uh, marshmallow world is playing in the background. How does does marshmallow world go? Uh, It's a marshmallow world in the winter. And something's <laughs> covered in snow. Sounds sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Uh, so I do remember liking Finding Dory. Uh, not sure what the connection to Signorini Weaver was, uh, or why they chose her as the namesake for the aquarium. For fun. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think it's funny. They Just do for- they do celebrity voiceovers all the time. I. I think it was um, Stocker Channing who did a narration at Monterey Bay once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I liked Finding Dory. Um, I'd say I did like it more than Brave, which 
I think Brave might be a little overhated, in my opinion. I mean, I can get why people were disappointed in it, uh, considering the slew of absolute bangers that Pixar put out right before it, uh, Cars 2 notwithstanding. Right. Um, I, I do understand how people say it's a derivative from other past Disney films. Like, right off the top of my head, the first half of the movie simultaneously reminds me of Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, and Brother Bear. Yeah. And man, I, those trailers were so misleading, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember the scene where uh, Merida's mom threw her bow into the fire, and that's supposed to be like a big uh, emotional highlight that you know demonstrates why Merida does what she does later on, and clearly that's taking inspiration from. Uh, a lot of other scenes in the past, the one that reminds me the most of is when Triton destroyed Ariel's treasure trove in The Little Mermaid. But the thing right. is, that scene was a lot more impactful because Triton essentially erased everything that Ariel had worked her whole life to collect, whereas the bow was taken out of the fire almost instantly, and to my knowledge, it didn't even have that much damage. It's more it's more a sign of disrespect than, right. you know, actual destruction. Right, when Ariel's ground is destroyed, they go all out. They show you the whole thing. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, and you actually like both characters. You 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 feel like you feel sorry for both of them. Right. Yeah, it, that that one facial expression Triton makes really does bring that whole scene together as he's leaving the grove or grotto. Right. What I is, mean, I mean, it's grotto. I mean, grotto. It, it's telling that you know he did what he felt that he had to do but he's clearly not happy about it. And I feel like they were going for something similar with Brave, but it just didn't connect the same way. I think, no. I think because, I think because they didn't go far enough with it. Right. And also the working title for this movie was the bear and the bow. That makes some more sense. Cause I don't see what being brave had to do with Meredith's character arc. Yeah. But Wes, yeah. every animated movie has to be just one word and very uh, generic. That that's how you name an animated movie now. <laughs> oh man, like you know, guys, like there was a time when I played Trivia Night at a restaurant, and the question was, name all the Disney films with one word in them. And I was frantic about. It. I was like trying to like did I miss any, but thankfully I didn't. But it was like really stressful. But I'm just like, oh, I got them all down. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot. There's, I know. That's a, that's a hard task. Yeah. There are so many that people thought that Frozen was a horror film for the longest time because it's based on one about ski uh, people stuck on a ski lift. <laughs> yeah, there was actually a funny story about a guy who got the films mixed up and scared his daughter. <laughs> and Frozen, Frozen's not even that scary. It's not a it's not a good horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think the I think the third act of Brave is where it really starts to come together, uh, where it starts to feel like it's reaching that like I guess middling level of Pixar quality. Um, I do like the resolution that you know Merida has to take a more diplomatic approach, and uh, the mother who's a bear has to use violent tactics to protect herself and you know the ones around her, but. I wouldn't say it's too little too late because I don't think this is a bad movie. I'm not even sure if I'd put this in my bottom five, but it's definitely one of the lower tier movies. And if I had to pick one 
in this matchup, it would have to go to Finding Dory just because there was a lot more that I really liked in it. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I believe it's my turn now. Correct. Yes, uh, sure. Finding yeah. Dory, uh, it's another one of those movies that I watched with uh, my family uh, because, you know, Pixar started putting out all these sequels to films that uh, released a decade ago, and we had a very strong emotional connection with Finding Nemo and, and The Incredibles, which we will talk about later, but Finding Nemo, we all really loved it. And when we watched the sequel together as a family, being like, oh, man, this will be a nice, like, nostalgia trip for us. We, we had a pretty good time with it. Like, obviously, it's not, it doesn't reach those same levels, but it does certainly have highlights. Like, I remember, like, when we all watched that seashell scene and seeing Dory just, like, follow the seashells and seeing her parents, like, we, we all had the same feeling of, like, ah, Damn it, Pixar, like, even your C-tier films make us cry. What's happening to us? <laughs> I, and I will say, even even though this film, like, doesn't necessarily have as much going for it as others, it it is probably one of the prettiest looking films there is. Like, the textures on all of the fish life and all of the environments is really well done. Like, especially on Hank. Is, that, is the octopus's name Hank? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Hank. It, like, like you, every pore, like the amount of detail put into every pore on his body is fascinating, and like, and his character himself is also really fun. He's uh, played by Ed O'Neill, who most people probably know as uh, the the uh, what's that sitcom that he's from? Uh, either it's Married with Children or Modern Family. Ma- Married with Children, that's what it is, and mm-hmm. he he's got a lot of really memorable quotes from that and he's just as funny here too and he's he also has a really uh you there Carrick? that uh as you could plan for everything in the world but sometimes life and fate like has its own plans and you just gotta roll with it sometimes and i i've cert i've certainly had to deal with that quite a bit recently in fact i think most people have yeah. But yeah, and, and yeah, I have to agree that uh, that climax, while it it doesn't necessarily scream Finding Nemo, it did in a weird way feel pretty fitting for this film because it just how crazy it was, and just seeing all of those animals and like like the food the food chain bit where it was like the tiny fish and then the bigger fish and then the bigger fish eating each other. Oh yeah, that yeah. was funny. It's just oh, it's. And I, I guess also this film continues the trend of giving animals, uh, like explaining why they make the sounds they do. With uh, the first one, you see the seagulls, like you know, saying my my my, and at this, the seals when they're on the rock, they're like off off off, like trying to get the stupid seal off the rock. Yeah, <laughs> how did you guys feel about that end credit scene? By the way, where oh, we I see loved all it. The- I thought it was a great callback. The one with the tank game. That they never mm-hmm. broke out. It, because, like, do they do they establish how much time passes like in universe between the the t- these two movies? I don't know. It, it can't be like more than a year because there's no way they'd still be alive in those bags. <laughs> right, I, no. I'm I'm not really sure. I I I think it, I think it was mentioned that at least. I might be misremembering, but I think 
it did say in the movie that a year has passed between the events of the first and that one. Okay, well then, those must be vampire fish or something. Because... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, that was that was a very funny scene. Just like it was nice seeing all the voice actors come back, just like for that little moment. And, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think uh, Jock was voiced by Jerome Ram because Joe Ram had passed away. Oh, oh neat. That's nice. And <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, not much else to say about Finding Dory. Uh, I I thought Baby Dory was very cute. They did a good job, like making her like ridiculously cute and marketable. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Just, just look at those eyes. Just look. It's it's really the eyes that get me. She was so cute. It's like yeah, there's the big eyes. They've done studies on how appealing big eyes are. And it just reminds me of that one Game Grumps bit where they're playing Pokemon and Danny sees Jigglypuff for the first time. He's like, "Oh my God, Jigglypuff! She has fishbowl eyes!" And then Aaron like just. Kills it with like a fire blast. <laughs> I, I think something about our psychology just naturally draws us to big eyes. Yeah, like mm -hmm. that's that's part of why like the Sonic redesign was so much better because like they gave him bigger eyes, more expressive eyes. Yeah. Also, happy birthday, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. oh, oh dang. And Betty White. And James Earl Jones. Yep. So, awesome. So many legends, like. Betty White, I'm telling you, she she's gonna if she doesn't make it past hundred, we riot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, sliced bread came out the year after she was born, so that's the best thing since Betty White. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but anyway, I, we'll skip me, Yoda Jax. Um okay. Wait, uh, wait, I guess, I, guess I didn't really didn't talk, talk about, about Brave. Brave. Uh, yeah, go Brave. ahead. Oh, I, I honestly don't have much to say about this movie. It's just really boring. It's easily one of the most boring Pixar films I've ever watched. I I don't really have anything to say about it. It's just such a nothing movie to me, that, which honestly, in a way, kind of makes it worse than like Pixar's lowest points because at least I had something to talk about with Cars 2 and Good Dinosaur, but Brave just gives me just nothing. It's just white noise to me. If you're good, people will gush. If you're terrible, people will forget. Will will never let you live it down. But if you're just mediocre, they'll forget about you. And honestly, there is an argument to me be, to be made that j being mediocre is worse than being awful. Yeah. Right. Mm. I, I go back and forth on whether I agree with that. I I will say I did at least in, I did enjoy the aesthetic of the movie. I did like the Scottish uh, environments and. It seemed very faithful to the culture. Like Pixar is always really good at their research when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just right. I find I find it very, very fitting that in 2012 it came out the same year as Wreck It Ralph, and I, along with many other people, thought Wreck It Ralph was the Pixar film and Brave was the Disney film, but it was actually the complete opposite. Yeah. And it really was... did feel it really did but... feel like a role reversal of those two studios and what they're normally known for. I was so disappointed when Record Ralph didn't win at the Oscars. Even though I liked the second one one more, I think Record Ralph deserved the Oscar. Oh wait! Oh yeah, that's right. Brave won, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Some. Oh, I cannot believe. It is the worst. If going by the Mouse Madness formula, it is the worst reviewed movie to win Best Animated Feature. 
man, the academy, like, uh, so hard to defend I'm kind sometimes. I'm for Brenda Chapman for winning an Oscar, but the film she had in mind was different than what we turned what it turned out to be. What 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 did she have in mind? Something about the evil bear coming in. Something about taking up your ancestor's bow or something like that. I forget most of the details. That sounds awesome. Yeah, but it was going to that... be more epic fantasy in the line of her other film, like Prince of Egypt. I just remember that one robot chicken skit where it's all the Disney princesses and Merida comes in. She's like, my mother is a bear. The trailer was very misleading. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jackson, it is your turn now. Okay, let me just start with Brave. I don't like Brave and um, hate Merida. I don't like the mother that much. They both have a lot of things I don't like about them. The animation is pretty. I think the bear is cool a little bit. Yeah, I'm say about Brave is it's easily my least favorite Disney at least my my least favorite Pixar film. Okay, so let's move on to Finding Dory. Oh I man, like- Finding Dory. <laughs> like when I heard about this film, I was really excited because Finding Nemo, the first one, I absolutely loved to death. It is one of my favorite films of all time and me and my family, it's a favorite amongst my family. We all love Finding Nemo. And when we heard a scene was coming out, and on my birthday even, it came out on June 17th, and we immediately went to see it. And we just fell in love with it. We loved the whole thing with Dory. We love her bad story, the connection she has with her family. And we also love that Nemo got more screen time too. Like, we get to see him interact more with Marlon and the great connection between father and son that they have. Like, we just see that Marlon is a great parent. He's like, he, he's learning more from the first one. He like he's more he's learning more to be like supportive of Nemo and they that he like wants to have Nemo do his own things and Nemo's great great too because he really loves Dory like like he's like she's family. I really like the connection that they have and how they even connect to Dory as part of their family. Marlin, even though he has gripes with Dory, still considers her part of the family, which is nice. And that scene where Marlin snaps a Dory, like, he immediately regrets it, and that's that's a really nice touch. I also like some of the newer characters, like Hank, like the Septopus I really like. I also like the, the Seals. Gerald is my spirit animal, and I really like Becky. All these characters, like, I will say, even though they're not as memorable as the characters from the first one, they're still really good characters. And I also... I, compl- huh? so I, I, I keep forgetting that D is in this movie from It's Always Sunny. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Really? Yeah, she plays Destiny. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, yeah, you, she you would not you would not be able to tell. <laughs> mhm. No, I don't. And I think what I also really love about this film is its message saying that it connects with a lot of people, it connects to a lot of people with disabilities, saying that you shouldn't feel bad about your disability like Dory has with her um, uh, forgetfulness. You should like Embrace it. You could turn it into a positive, into a positive thing. You could turn it into a strength, and that's what Dory's doing. She's always saying, "Like, what would Dory do? What would Dory do?" And what she does leads to something good, and I really respect it for that. And yeah. I will say, and I and I said before that onward, onward was the film that made me ugly cry. This film got the tears going because when Dory is reunited with her parents, and her parents are saying. She starts crying, saying, like, I'm so sorry I lost you. This was all my fault. Her parents are saying, no, no, look what you did. You found us. You used your str- used your memory, but you found us at the same time. I'm like, 
that really holds a core with me. It really sits true, and I love it for that. It really gets my heart going, especially especially after Dory thinks her parents are, are dead. She's, like, having a panic attack, and it's, like, legit uncomfortable. Like, all this shit is happening. All, like, this whole emotional roller coaster, just every bad thing could possibly think of happens. She ends up right back to where she started when she was a little kid. When a little kid, and man, when she gets back with her family, it you just never felt more happy in your life when they get back together, and when Dory goes back to rescue Marlon and Nemo, like especially as funny as the car chase was, it was also had its legit heartfelt moments, like when Nemo and Marlon find Dory again, it really gets you. I, I think the, like, cinem- the cinematography when she's having that panic attack is genius because it makes me like panic too. Oh, yeah, man. and I I also like the the credit scene with the tank game. Seeing them again was was really fun too. Like, I remember when we went to the theater, I was saying like to Mama Blair, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I think I remember someone saying they're gonna do something in the tank game. I was right. Like they they didn't they didn't believe me at first, but but I was right. And I should say something really funny. I should say as soon as we like I said before, I, we saw Finding Dory on my birthday, and. Uh, you know what we did after we saw Finding Dory? Hmm. What's that? Let we me went guess. To you Red went Lo- out to get seafood? We oh, went, no. We went, Lo- we went out to Red Lobster. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, show some tact. <laughs> yeah, I'll tie it in with another thing, fun trivia. Red Lobster takes his name from a different Disney movie, Pinocchio. It's the country right. tavern. Uh-huh, the Red Lobster Inn. Yeah. Huh. Although, I, although... Speaking of the end credits, there is one legit problem I do have with the movie. It doesn't have to do with the movie itself. It's the end credit song. Oh, the Sia song? Now, I will say this. The song they picked, Unforgettable, is a good song. Nat King Cole, like, and a, some like Nat King Cole, one of the great legendary singers, and it fits well with the movie's message. But did they have to get Sia to do it? Like, I, mm. Like, like it's not I, it's not as much of a problem I has with in the My Little Pony movie, but um, it's I'm just not a fan of her singing, and also about the controversies that she recently got herself in a couple months back. Yeah, it, not it, a good look. It's, yeah, uh, it definitely hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, especially especially that because uh, the film's message is using your disability as a strength, and given what C recently said about autistic people it's kind of hypocritical on her part yeah she worked on a film that celebrated people with disabilities and then she hired an able body person to play someone with autism yeah that was pretty tone deaf yes Mm -hmm. but uh other than that arnie dory i will say when i first saw it i was like kind of conflicted because i'm like which film do i like more do i like the first one or the second one more but then the more i thought i like the first one more but Man, this film is like a close set. It's easily like in my top twenty favorite films. Dang. So like ever? Yeah. 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 Actually. I Man, I wonder how high Fighting Nemo is when we talk about that. <laughs> it's without giving too much weight. It's easily in the top ten. All right. Uh, can I just say I'm I'm really happy that we got a case of like good parents, like legitimately good parents that don't die at the end. Because if if parents are good in Disney films, they most of the time they're gonna be dead by the end. You if unless right. your parents are terrible because <laughs> like, you yeah. know, why, why 
dude, I think they only made the kid like their parents because they're going to kill them at the end. So that way we can feel something. It's like, no, maybe they just like them because they're good parents. They don't always have to be dead. Yeah, that was the problem I had with um, uh, this one anime film I saw. Um, it was a recent Blue Sky film. It had Will Smith and Tom Holland. What was it called? Five guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that name has a double meaning because he becomes a bird. So it's like spies in disguise. Yeah, that film. Like, when I saw, like, um, the mother oh and, God, um, the, just and, the, and the little kid. <laughs> when I saw the mother and the little kid, I'm just like, please don't tell me she's going to die. I'm like, she dies. I'm like, oh, come on. You could have had her, like, I, I would have liked to have her in the movie more. But you just kill her off. I'm like, I mean, I spies in disguise is not a film I'm not that crazy about, but. I'll say that for another day. Like, like, like with Aqu Aquaman isn't the best film ever, but I, I like how he's one of the few superheroes that actually gets to have interactions with his dad because his dad is not dead and actually does care about him, which is very unique for a superhero. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm like, don't care that much about Brave, but I love Finding Dory. That one gets my vote. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we're all in uh, unanimous decision about finding Dory yeah. in that case. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me fine? I'm on my I'm on my phone now. I got the blue screen of death. Oof! Oh uh, no! That uh, that's unhappy, bro. That sucks a lot. Yeah, so it's resetting now. But okay. but yes, I'm up for uh, finding Dory. Brave is kind of forgettable. Kinda. Not good. I like the music, but that's about as far as my praise goes. I once saw a funny prompt where someone suggested, what if the Disney princess was actually the villain? And then hmm. someone responded to that, Brave kind of is. Uh, I will say, I do appreciate like the lengths to which they went to with the marketing, because there was a lot of original animation made like for the things like promoting the movie I, I, it was that was back in the time when all i watched was disney channel like all the terrible shows on <laughs> disney channel because i was a dumb kid that didn't know what else to watch and they had so many spots like for brave like promoting the film too? i i had it set to disney channel too <laughs> <laughs> but but i most of the time with animated movies they'll just you know play clips from the actual movie which is all fine and good but this one did a lot of original animation which i find pretty commendable but i just i hate that i could only say that about movies that i don't really care much for because uh, the only other example i could think of is the boss baby uh, but um but um brave merida is responsible for a lot of the bad stuff that happens so she's basically a villain but at least you learned your lesson. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I'm voting Finding <laughs> Dory. I wasn't too keen on it at first. Thought it was a bit over the top and silly. But after hearing your arguments, I'm kind of getting into it more. And I can at least appreciate, you know, it was funny. It was fine. Sometimes that's all you need to win. It's just weird because it's Pixar and you expect more. But, like, I, I totally get it. I totally get what Finding Dory means to a lot of people. And I still enjoy that movie for what it is. Same here. Right, I do like the first yep. one more. They always talked a lot about how it's not really good form to put in the side character into the main because you'll overemphasize your gimmick. This one, I think, played it well and made it a plot point. Right. Oh, kind of like they learned their lesson, but we'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. <laughs> right. 
Th- that movie's in the next matchup. Don't, mm. don't you all know what we're talking about? <laughs> Is this a good segue? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Next up is the last film to miss to miss the buy. The number ten seed Coco versus the lowest overall seed. The only film Pixar film to this day with a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. Cars two. <laughs> it's got yeah. Michael Caine in it as a a spy car. Quite crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Michael Caine, you mean? Crichton was the author? Yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine. (laughs) Okay. I I just, I remember seeing one interview where Michael Caine was like, you you know people do impressions of you all the time, Michael Caine. He's like, oh yeah, they always do it like this. Oh, hello, I'm Michael Caine. (laughs) He did an impression of people doing an impression of him. (laughs) I love that. He's done a movie every year for his entire career, and he won two Oscars. That's better than most people could say. And wow. and he also did Cars too. Hey, hey, man, I love Michael Caine. Don't don't get me wrong, but I also love doing his voice. <laughs> this movie's yeah. like the Shrek the Third of Pixar. You know what? That's actually a perfect description. I didn't even realize. It's a sequel so bad it ret- it gets retconned by the next one and <laughs> nobody ever addresses it. <laughs> and it almost ruined the reputation of the franchise to begin with. Not like it was that high already, but True. but we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I think we do same order. So, Nick, take it from the top like there's any contest. Yeah, Coco versus Cars 2. Look, I'm not really going to say much here. I have a lot of things I want to talk about with Coco. I love that movie. It's top 10. But it's going against Cars 2. It's too easy. This is a movie... Coco is a movie that's better discussed in the same context as, you know, the much higher ones. You know, your ups, your inside outs, your Toy Story 3s. It was in the prelims until the very last minute. Like, the seeding of soul was not determined yet. Right. I mean, it just feels unfair to talk about how amazing Coco is and then just say Cars 2 is the stupidest thing that Pixar has ever done. They're about as far apart. So we'll just use this. We could just use this whole session to rag on Cars 2. I I mean, it's not like we're ever going to get the chance again. True. I mean, it's it's not like we don't know which movie's going to move on. This is Aladdin versus Chicken Little all over again. Exactly. And just Mm -hmm. like I mean, just like that situation, I'm sure there's going to be someone who's going to go to bat for Cars Two, and you know, more power to them. But at the same time, you're fooling yourself if you think it's going to go any other way than the obvious. And I swear, if people ironically vote for cars too just to be like in spite of it like i i will lose all respect for you if you do it that way because if you're gonna vote for cars too at least vote for it because you actually think it's better than coco don't kid yourself exactly this movie's got (laughs) some pretty crazy explosion action a plot that makes no gosh darn sense if you think about it and and Uh... The one I, thing I liked, the I, one good thing I liked about Cars 2 is they addressed the death of Doc Hudson in-universe. That is that's yeah. true. Well, what do you I, think? I what got do you emotional think, Nick? at that bit. 
Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Um, I think it was a nice tribute. Um, honestly, most of the movie is just kind of lame and stupid in a way that doesn't really evoke much emotion out of me other than there are so many things I could be doing with my time than this. But the one scene that actually did bother me, it was during the end when uh, Mater had the bomb attached to him and uh, Lightning McQueen kept misunderstanding what Mater was talking about. That in and of itself kind of feeds into the just general kind of lameness, but the part that actually bothered me was when Lightning McQueen kept saying to Mater that, you know, he was wrong for the way that he acted, and Mater doesn't need to change. If other people are bothered by the way he acts, then they need to change. Like, you saw how Mater was acting in the beginning of this movie when they first, you know, go international. Like, he was being a disturbance, like, a disruptive presence. It, One it might even sense. argue racist at some points, where he's like, Domo arigato. in this universe, but whatever. Oh, yeah. You mean, the, you mean the wasabi bet? Oh, no, I'm talking about that one part where he's, like, got all the makeup on during that sumo wrestling match, and he's like, Domo arigato. Also, um, one thing that legit pissed me off, they included, you might think, as popularized by the band The Cars, and it's a cover. Oh, yeah. They had one job. One <sighs> job. What is You Might Think? The song by the band called The Cars. Oh, come on. Uh, that's... I mean, uh... I mean, to be fair, I, I think all three Cars movies have uh, covers of classic rock songs. But this one was particularly egregious. Yeah. I, like, I actually didn't know until uh, fairly, until well after the first Cars came out that uh, the Rascal Flats version of Life is a Highway was a cover. Because that's the yeah, one I was I mean, introduced that, to. That's the one that to I grew fair, up on. Yeah. I grew up on yeah, that. that I did too. The Tom Cochran version apparently was a top 10 hit in 92, but they never play it on the classic really? rock station. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a bigger hit in uh, his native Canada. Yeah, it was. You're basically required to be a Tom Cochran fan in Canada. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like that one scene from the Smurfs where it's like they're walking like to the final battle and they play back in black. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you, you had the perfect opportunity to play I'm blue, nobody, nobody. <laughs> would you want to? That movie, but would you want to? <laughs> that, that song's also kind of claimed by Iron Man 3, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which song? Back I'm in Black. Blue by Echo 65. Oh, wait, uh, Iron Man 3. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Okay. Yeah. So, Yoda Jax, you, you care to say why Cars 2 is the weaker film? Wait, it's my turn now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nick, were, were you finished talking, Nick? Yeah, I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I think it's good to change up the order. Uh, so go ahead, Jackson. What do you say I talk about Cars 2 first? Because, um... Yeah. Me... yeah, um... So, um... Yeah, it's like, this is a movie that, like, um, I was watching in bits and pieces. Like, I know what happens in it. I know the premise of it. I know how it ends. I know, like, the basic gist of it. Yeah, it's not good. 
like I won't say it's like the worst one of the worst things I've ever seen though. I've seen a lot worse. But like, I actually put this one spot above the good dinosaur if only because it was more memorable. Mm, yeah. That's fair. I I will say this though, that how many of you guys know the reviewer Bob Show? Yes, I know him. I've heard of him. I, I think I can't remember if I've seen one of his videos or not. Let, I'm um while you talk about that, I'm gonna make sure if I have. Because um he actually did a review of Cars 2. It was a positive review, and I'm just like he brought up some points where I'm like, wow, maybe maybe I really didn't give this film as much of a chance before. Like like I, I still don't think it's good, but like he brought up some pretty good points actually. Oh yeah. Uh what what were some of those points? Like he talks about Mater like talks about some of the more emotional parts and just how the story works and how we just found some parts funny. Yeah, Fair. I guess but what do you think he'd find it better than Coco? Yes, I think it's yes, I think Coco is better. No, no, do you think Bob Show would like Coco better than oh, Cars Two? I'm pretty sure, like I he did review Coco, like I'm pretty sure he loves it. Like even though I didn't see the review yet. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Jackson. Continue. About about what? Uh, your thoughts on Cars Two? So yeah, like um, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Cars Two. Like I definitely can't say it's a good movie. But uh, mm-mm. I are, think are we... I think of all the Cars movies, this is like the. This one has the most egregious uh, sin when it comes to the world building, where it would be infinitely better if they just weren't cars, because whenever they try to do all like this spy gadget work stuff, it just it just feels so tonally dissonant from the world that we're used to. And the, the first Cars movie is already tonally, tonally dissonant on its own when it comes to the world building. But it, oh, in Cars oh, 2... Oh, yeah. That was a thing in this movie, the Pope Mobile. Yeah, that religion. We know that religion is a thing. There's a car Jesus, I guess. And, oh wow! What then, what do they call what do they call putting him on the cross? So they like take him to like a garage. Yeah, they probably just like hung him like by the tires or something. <laughs> oh boy, that's, that's so dark. This this I don't know if people think this is rude. <laughs> But uh, hey, the movie get, hey, blame the movie for putting yeah. these thoughts in our head. Yeah, blame the movie. But that's what the world building does, man. It just—it's so because when you ask questions, you're clear. You realize that you're clearly not supposed to, because mm-hmm. everything just falls apart completely. And um, I think I think the biggest sin though that this film commits is how much they wasted Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is one of the coolest actors in Hollywood, and. Mm-hmm. He's just here to die. And yeah, other, yeah, I forgot about that, that, was and him, that and him not being in the Expendables. I was really upset he wasn't in Expendables. Cause like freaking, he's he just they kill him on screen, and this movie still gets a G rating. I don't know how they got away with that. Right, yeah. and it's pretty graphic too. Like you see him struggle. And like it's, they don't even hide it that well. You clearly see his reflection exploding in like the camera deal. Uh, I just, I don't understand the yeah. rating system. It's, it's just so. Merch to sell more toy cars. 
It's just so arbitrary. It just makes me wonder if they actually watched the movie. My Little Pony got a PG rating, and this did it. I will never understand that. That's insane. I think it's because the Storm King broke. Uh, PG it means nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. PG, yeah. like, it's... It's it, it as far as I'm concerned. It's just practically G now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it stands for. Practically G. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess Cars Two, in a sense, is one of those movies where at least I'm not bored watching it. It Good Dinosaur is by far my least favorite Pixar film. No contest. Cars Damn. Two is up there, but at least it's like I can riff on it. Like at least, yeah. at least, like if I watch it with a cr- crowd of friends, we can all be like, "Oh my gosh, this is so stupid! I can't believe that happened! Oh my gosh, just that car, see- that car literally fell in a vat of crap!" Yeah, just to see their reactions. <laughs> I've heard people, someone say they've watched Chicken Little that way, like with a group of friends, just to see how they'd react. Yeah, and just being like, "Oh my gosh, how is this movie this awful?" Right. This movie almost tanked Pixar's reputation, but not quite, because they won a few Oscars and had a few big ones after this. Yeah. So, and and when you have a reputation as big as Pixar, it's pretty hard to like permanently tank that, right? Because it's just it. They've been around for so so many years, making so many classics, right? Timeless classics, right? And think about, I guess at least Cars too. In a sense, at least Cars Two is timeless. I can respect I it for that. Yeah, I, guess. I, I can't. I can't like think of any pop culture references in it. Yeah, right. And thinking about uh, you know the time between the first Cars and Cars Two, uh, they released, I believe, uh, four movies between those two, all of which were massive critical audience and financial successes. So this one movie, yeah, they were after coming all, up. Yeah, also, they were coming off back-to-back Best Picture nominees. That's Not true. just Best Animated Feature, Best Picture. That's the right. Yeah. I think Toy Story 3 was the first ever animated sequel to get a Best Picture nomination. Which right. is just yeah. such a rare thing to ever happen, like, ever. Because Academy just thinks so lowly of animation. But the fact that those movies were so good that they couldn't ignore it is just goes to show how prolific and amazing they are at their job which is why it's so crazy that they thought yeah we made all these wonderful movies let's go back to the cars universe i feel like there's untold (laughs) untold untapped potential with that world Hmm. there's clearly we need to study these these characters more clearly they were so proud of cars but they saw that it wasn't getting like the high reception that the others were doing, so they figured they had to build their reputation as high as possible to the point where nothing could topple them, and then they could go ahead and make that consequence free. I mean, yeah. I mean, just look at Sonic the Hedgehog. You got like Sonic Unleashed. Okay, that's a pretty good game. Sonic Colors. Oh yeah, that's a really good game. Sonic Generation. Sonic is back, baby. Sonic Boom. No. <laughs> yeah. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's actually co- a pretty good analogy considering how Sonic has been coming up and going down over the years. But yeah, Cars Two. I think we're all in agreement. This is the one that's gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. By by the way, before anyone comments it, I I realize that I understand that I did skip over Sonic Lost World, but that game is so forgettable that I figured it didn't matter. <laughs> right. 
so I think yeah, I think we're all in agreement on this one. Uh, I I I I guess I kind of liked that one Italian car. He had some he had some funny lines. Yeah, but like, what's his name? I don't remember his name. I'll look it up. Hold that. Yeah, that's that's how you know he's a good character. You don't even remember his name. Uh, Francesco Bernoulli. Yeah, that's it. You know, the Italian one. (laughs) The one Italian character in the movie. Uh, Except Luigi. Oh, 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 shoot, I forgot about that. Oh, man, can we talk about that one scene where Lightning McQueen is, like, getting a pep talk from Luigi's dad? And he's like, why would you ask him to be someone he's not? It's like, what? What are you talking about? He was, like, he was big, he was disturbing the peace. He was, I, okay. I, okay, how do digestive systems work? I just remembered that when he ate that wasabi, he also was like drinking water to like cool his mouth down, which by the way is not how spices work, but whatever. But because you got to drink milk. But right. so right. do cars do cars pee? Do they poop? Like, <laughs> well, they probably pee because of the line from the first movie. He did what in his cup? Oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Pixar. Um, you really happy to expand the universe of cars? Because all these questions, I'm sure you're really, really, really proud of. But you guys want to know the real stinger about this movie? Uh, out of all, like, even though we've been ragging on it this whole time, I loved the crap out of it when I was a kid. I loved Cars 2 when I saw it as a child. I was wow. in the- I was in that exact demographic. I was like, oh my gosh, that spy stuff is cool. <laughs> Mater is so funny. But now that I'm like a cynical 21-year-old in college watching it again, I'm like, kill me. Oh yeah, you, you would have been 11 when that came out. <laughs> yeah, I, I was exactly who they were marketing for. Because Cars, uh, I watched the Cars all the time. And then when Cars 2 came out, I it blew my mind because... It was a sequel to a movie that I watched a lot, and normally I'm not excited for. I don't. I didn't always get excited for films that were just coming out because most of the time I I would just watch movies that had been out for like ten years, like you know Shrek or Winnie the Pooh, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it was the first time I was I was actually excited for a film that was coming out in theaters, and I really liked it. And uh, I guess yeah, there has been a nostalgia there, but it it can only go so far. Right. Okay. So we ready to go? We ready to progress? Yes. Wait. We, are we going to talk about Coco or not? Oh. Oh, that's a good movie. Moving on. It's well, good. <laughs> yeah, good movie. If it if results hold, it gets the Incredibles next round, which is a much better matchup. So we'll save our discussion for that. If Cars Two <laughs> ends up winning, uh, I guess. Uh, sorry, Coco. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But um. But Coco versus Incredibles. That would be one to watch. And that's another fitting segue. Speaking of, we have number 14, Incredibles 2, versus number 19, Monsters University. All right. Oh, man. A a prequel versus a... Oh, oh, we said it at the same time. (laughs) Jinx. Great minds think alike. That's true. Uh, These films, uh, five years apart, they came out during what I think most consider uh, sort of the dark era of Pixar, where like, sequel, huh? yeah, like like Inside Out, and that's it. Like that's those are the only movies that people consider really good. Or no, 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 wait, no, Coco no, people, came out people like finding this one. Okay, well, Inside Out 
was and Coco were the only two like original movies that came out during this time, right? Yeah. Incredibles 2 is in kind of a weird position. It is the highest grossing movie among all of the films in this tournament. And if you take US and Canada only, it's the highest grossing animated film, period. But it's also the third and most recent Pixar film to be up for best animated feature and lose. Wow. Oh, wow. Get wow. Spidey. Spider-Man brought his A-game. Oh, yeah. That it's at the Spider-Verse. Yep. Yeah, that came out that year. It, Another animated a... superhero that, that pushed the boundaries and made a great acid trip. Yeah, and it didn't give you a seizure. Right. Um, actually, they had warnings at my theater for both films. Really? Well, oh, wow. Mm. I didn't realize. Well, when the week... When uh, when I was watching watching Incredibles two, that's one of the few movies I've seen like with my entire family in theaters because Incredibles is such an important movie to us. Uh, when we watched that in theaters, we saw the sign being like, "There, there are some epilepsy warnings in here. Be careful!" And like halfway through the film, we're like, "Well, this isn't so bad." Then we got to that one scene, and we we're like, "Ah, my eyes!" <laughs> There's not one scene; it's three very prominent scenes. Can't claw them out fast enough. <laughs> I myself do not have photosensitive epilepsy, but yeah, that should have been a red flag. Yeah. It's just like I it's just it hurt. It just hurt to look at. It, it, it's like most of this movie is really beautiful, but that what those one parts are, are just are so egregious. I don't know how the animators got through it. Yeah. It feels like one of like what it reminds me of is those videos on YouTube that have those flashing lights you're supposed to look at for a minute, and then when you look at the wall, it gets all distorted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not before, but, yeah. But they, at least they could have done was slow the footage down. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did, when I was a kid, I did that same thing, but with the sun. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know why I did that, but I did. Well, got to get your vitamin D somehow. Surprised you still have eyesight then. Hey, did you know carrots are good for your eyesight? <laughs> you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, but anyway, um, time to actually have the big arguments. Let's yes. go. Um, Monsters University did not have a seizure scene. That's my argument. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first? Uh, you can go first since you're already talking. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. With Monsters University, uh, I think the one... Everyone always uh, points to that one line from the first one where Sully and Mike are, t- are walking down the street and they're talking about uh, their childhood and how. And then we cut to this movie, which completely retcons all of that. And honestly, when it comes to things like that, I'm f- I'm fine with a little retconning. Like some of my favorite pieces of uh, media, like they'll do retconning because they keep things. It's it's good to do retconning as long. Only if you keep things intentionally ambiguous. Because right, one, yeah. one of the best examples I could think of is um, with Dragon Ball Z, uh, when Vegeta and Goku use the Batari rings to fuse, and uh, supposedly they, there is no way to unfuse from it. But then uh, eventually they just unfuse magically, and it's not really explained why. But then later on, it's retcon like 20 years from there, it's retcon that when it's used on humans, there is a 30-minute time limit. So, like, that kind of retcon works because Toriyama kept things intentionally ambiguous because he didn't really know how to write that problem out at the time. But then when he did, he brought it up. 
and it worked in the context of that scene. Also, and, continuity in animation is a relatively new concept because even as recently as The Simpsons 34 years ago, they had resets. Yeah, exa exactly. And there's that one famous Gumball episode where everything is coming to, back to bite the Watersons in the back, like all the terrible things that they've done. And by the end of it, Gumball's like, if only we had some sort of reset button, ah! And then it cuts to black. <laughs> but, and considering how far apart Monsters University and Monsters Inc. are, I think that kind of retconning is fine. It's it's not nothing game-breaking. It's just kind of a funny little thing to talk about. That being said, I think it can be used as a good argument as to I why would they justify doing a college film in the Monsters Inc. universe? I because it's just such a odd concept to me. Like just on paper, just having a frat college film yeah. and like as generic as possible and my and, mom even said college isn't like this anymore they're going back to an aspect of college as it was in the 1950s yeah it's just every like beat you can think of when it comes to those like uh yeah, when i went to mason basically the whole idea was you go here so you can go somewhere else right <laughs> and uh, like clearly like clearly, the film they're taking inspiration from is uh, Animal House, right? And to the point where I was thinking they should have just called it Monster House before I realized there's already a movie already, with that title. There's all. Yeah. Oh my! You're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, and Monsters University is in a weird position for me because for most of the runtime, it's just kind of it's passable. Like it's fine. It there's. It doesn't do anything awful, but it does at the same time doesn't do anything great. Uh, I guess it's nice to hear Charlie's voice out of a monster because you know that guy's got such a wild, like cartoonish voice that it totally works for animation. Right. Uh, and uh, the textures and the lighting—it's absolutely beautiful. I will say the one thing I do like about uh, all these recent sequels that Pixar's done is that considering how the amount of time in between them and their previous films, it really does bring to light how much our technology has improved and how much their skills have grown. I do really appreciate seeing how much we've evolved from. Remember the character of Sully groundbreaking in 2001 because of all the hair. Look at yeah. him now. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, he's just, he just looks so huggable, like, like a big old bear. Like a, a grizz, like a grizzly bear that could maul you at any point, but decides not to. <laughs> so but like it, it chooses not to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing is, with this movie, there are things that I absolutely adore. I love the ending of this movie so oh, much. Yeah. The, camps, yeah. I, the camp scene where Mike is looking in, in his reflection and like is depressed about how he's feeling that, that he just he can't do it he's wanted this thing his whole life but he just doesn't have the natural ability and then sully also talks about his own turmoils how he's the son of a great scarer and that kind of pressure is 
daunting. It's just, it weighs on him all the time. And seeing these two finally, like, connect over something and then realize that, hey, things didn't work out for us, but we can always uh, do the next best thing. We can always have a new plan. And so, like, seeing them, like, work at the mail room and just, like, act, seeing... I believe in their friendship at this point. Like it really does feel like they truly care about each other and seeing them work their way up from the mailroom to the dreams that they've wanted. It's, uh, it's just so, it really does feel like a Pixar film at that point. Cause if the, if the entire film had been like the last 20 minutes, then this would probably be like in my top five Pixar films ever. Like I really liked that stuff, but as it is, it's, they don't really, bring out the, the stops until the very end which is kind of disappointing yeah, really silly. I did like the end credits scene with the slug I thought that was funny <laughs> yeah nice. Bill Hader yeah, yeah Bill Hader was the slug yeah. I, I forgot yeah. man Bill Hader he loves cameoing and yeah movies. he was going off he was sliding for it and then at the climax so I watched this with my brother he was like the slug's probably still going for it <laughs> <laughs> can I can I just say, like, how broken some monster designs are? Because, like, when they show that one football scene where just, like, oh, the yeah. gigantic monster has the football, I was just thinking, man, this sport really boring, like, to watch because you know exactly what's going to happen. Like, there's there's nothing anybody could do about this just one gigantic person. Right. <laughs> it's just, un- it's it's. I think the sport would actually be ruined if we had somebody that gigantic playing it. <laughs> Yeah, with all that said, would you pick what what is this versus Incredibles 2? What's your I have, Oh, I, I haven't talked about Incredibles 2. Crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you got... Uh, I, I don't... Okay, Incredibles 2. Uh, I really like the animation. It's really beautiful. Uh, Brad Bird has a fantastic style. Uh, I don't like the designs of, like, the new superheroes. I, I think they were a bit too over the top, and they didn't really fit in the, that world. I, I like the stuff with uh, Bob and like seeing him tr- trying to uh, you know work out like because he can't do the superhero stuff so he has to tr- try and be a single dad and like seeing him uh, just like uh, really tired and exasperated it, it's very very hard and uh, understandable to watch and so think. It, like the, the why would they change math? Math is math. Like my dad totally understood that scene. <laughs> that, that that stuck with him. And, yeah, I get that. And the stuff the stuff with Helen is really cool too. I love the action bits with her motorcycle and how it like splits up. Like that leads to some really cool moments. That I is think, like great animation. Absolutely. I oh man, the villain. You know what I. I think uh, I'll let you guys talk about the villain. I- I've talked about uh, enough stuff. I think I, I, the stuff in Monsters University is so good that I think I'll probably pick that over Incredibles two because Incredibles two is good, but it's just also it doesn't really have that that much going for it. When I really think about it, it's just it's a very pretty fun movie. But Monsters University is like that too but it's just like the stuff at the end is so good that it just kind of puts it over in Krebles too a little bit for me i see hey, hey you guys you guys can hear me right i feel like i got disconnected there yeah we can hear you you're fine okay that's good that's good so uh you one of you guys can take the floor now hmm jackson you up for it 
Okay, I'll shoot. Um, yeah, like, I suppose I should talk about Monsters University first. As, like, as you like to know, I love the first Monsters, Inc. It's definitely one of my favorite Pixar films. Retcon with, like, um, with them going to college, I'm just like, yeah, it's it's kind of weird, like, even though they were, like, friends since the fourth grade, but, like, like Karen said, like, there are some retcons that I can let slide, even though there's some, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, hey, come on, like, you can't just change that, like, if I were to point to a net example, the Dragon World, world Building and My Little Pony, like, constantly keeps going back and forth, they keep doing different things in it, and it drove me nuts. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a sign that multiple writers are on that show. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. like at one second they said, "Oh, dragons can grow through the power of greed," but then we see, no, wait, th- this one dragon, dragon shy, he was like willing to willing to listen. But so, like, I don't get the problem with that. And they keep saying dragons are too rare and mean to study. Like, what's up with that? I'm like, they just keep making stuff out of their butt. Like that's and suddenly Spike can get wings now, even though he really didn't have wings when he was in Secret of My Excess. It just. Oh, uh- Oh yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah, nothing gets the writers. I just like, I just feel like the show was really juggled when it came to dragons. But um, so um, with Monster University, I actually really, really like Monster University. Even even with that retcon, I think it was great seeing Mike and Sully again. It was great seeing John Grimmin and Billy Crystal in their roles. I also like seeing this stuff with Randall. I think it's really clever that he was friends with Mike Wazowski at first. I also like that little touch where. He was wearing glasses, but then Mike took them off and he starts squinting like he did in the movie. I thought that was really that was a really great touch. Uh. And, and like it may be me, but I also love the little thing where like Randall has a ba- a, a poster, a band poster that says "The Winds of Change." I'm like, Whoa. that is really good. That's a great touch. I'm like Scorpions, so I think he might have been influenced by that. The Winds yeah. of Change. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you remember that one line Randall said in the first movie when Mike was saying, "We're gonna beat the record. We're gonna beat the record first. He goes over, and goes, "Shh, you hear that? It's the winds of change." I really need to rewatch that movie. <laughs> I really do. Oh man, it it that movie, Monsters Inc. Like, it's one that me and my me and my family quote to each other like all the time. It is just so great. So um, yeah, and, I, and like Carrot said, I also really love the ending message. Like sometimes, like I'm. We don't always have, like, our things in mind. Sometimes we need to go, like, do different things. And you really feel the relationship between Mike and Sully. Yeah, there's a bit of a third-act breakup, but it doesn't go on forever. It doesn't drag. It goes just the right amount of time. And, and like like I said, I really like the voice acting. John Grimm and Billy Crystal, you can tell they had just as much chemistry as they did in the first one. So, so I really like that. So, um, now Incredibles 2. Like, as I said before, I love, like, the early Prince films. I really like the first Incredibles. Like, I think it's really good. I just wouldn't say, I'll say I might have stressed over that film another day, but I'm, I just, I don't think it's like as good as like, like Toy Story, Finding Nemo, or Up, or so forth. But I'll talk about it another day. However, I really love Incredibles too. Like, that's a sequel I think is better than the first one in every way possible. Like, Interesting. I, yeah, I like how it focuses more on like, more of the family. I like how it focuses more on Dash and Violet. Like. Dash and Violet like aren't always constantly fighting like they were in the first film. Yeah, like I get there's a siblings, but like not every sib- not every older bro- older sister and younger brother fight. But this one, it actually felt like I was watching more of like a real family, and that was great too. Like, and the stuff with Jack Jack, 
is some of the funniest bits I've ever seen in any Pixar film. Like, when I went to see this on the big screen, I don't think I've ever laughed harder than I did at this movie at the when I saw it in theaters, because I was laughing like a maniac. At was several it scenes where, he was fighting, where he was fighting the raccoon? Yeah, <laughs> that was the big one. I was just laughing. I was going crazy. Like, my face was red. Like, tears were coming down my face. It was a riot. Yeah, I <laughs> die. I'm a raccoon, bro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And um, I also like the role of Elastigirl in this movie too. Like, if I was to, if I were to point out a problem in the first one, I feel like Elastigirl. I I feel like her parenting in the first one kind of bothered me a bit. Like, there there's part of where she's saying like you said like you should you should never use your powers. Like, I don't know. Am I the one who get kind of like frozen vibes when the parents are saying that Elsa should hide her powers? Am I the one who gets kind of bothered by it at that at times? Well, like, I, I mean, it's. I a, feel like there's more of an in-universe justification for it with Incredibles, since supers were illegal at the time, and with like Elsa, they could actually get arrested. Like, and with Elsa, it was more like not bothering to understand how to control it. And it's not I like guess. they don't. It's not like they don't ever get to use their powers, like ever. Like we see them use it, like in the house, like when Dash is running around, or when Violet uses her force field. I guess, but like, um, with the fact that. The, the last girl told him that you should never use your powers. I'm like, with these films, it's like, yeah, if you don't want to use your powers, you should teach them to control them. That's like the big problem. But like, with Incredibles 2, I do like how they're like, they want to make superheroes more of a thing again so their kids can feel more comfortable growing up and like getting up there in the real world and learn to be like more proud of their powers. And I thought that was great. I love the bit with bits with Dash when Mr. Incredibles like teaching him to do math. Like, like I said, like I knew I was, I knew this movie's gonna be really good with that math is math scene. I thought that was really great, and the stuff with Violet too. Like I felt bad for Violet, but I kind of laughed at the same time when she was invisible and she took the ice cream with a big spoon. I was like, I want to feel bad for you, but I can't stop laughing because it was just totally out of the blue when she was like crying and stuff like that. And it leads to a great scene when they're in the restaurant and Violet does. A great spit take when seeing her boyfriend at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. It's uh, uh, that leads to a classic meme image now. Yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, huh? Everyone in the theater roared at that point, myself <laughs> included. Yeah, that that was another scene where I was like, where I was like trying to like control myself to stop laughing because it was really funny, and and there was also a great little scene where I'm uh. Mr. Incredible's like saying he apologizes to Violet, saying like he just wants to be a good dad. And when she says, You're not good, you're super, she hugs him. No joke, the entire audience in the theater just went, Aww. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it kind of caught me off guard actually when I heard everyone in the theater do that. It was really fun. What is this, Hannah Montana? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Burn. Yeah. But I will say, like, um, the only issue I do have with it is the villain. I'm just like, I'm like, come on, it's the Incredibles. Like, they had, we could have, like, legit fun supervillains in this. Like, the screen slaver was legit, like, threatening. Like, that scene where, like, Elastigirl's trying to find him, and it does lead to that Caesar scene, which I'm glad they cut. But I saw it, I saw it, like, it didn't bother me too much, but, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is a problem. I'm glad they took care of that. Did they actually but, like, cut it out? Yeah, and later re- releases like on the DVD and like Disney Plus, like it's just like um a 
a bright room. It's no longer like seizure inducing. Oh, well, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, but like the twist film, like the the reasoning behind the twist film doesn't make a lot of sense. Like the villain isn't that fun, and I was. I will just, this is like the one big advantage the first film has over the second one because it had the better villain with Syndrome. Dude, she doesn't hold a candle to his, like, stage presence. Oh, right. she doesn't. Or, or or any of Syndrome's, like, mannerisms. Like Her name is lines. Evil Endeavor. You saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. That's right. Saw what coming? Her name is Evil Endeavor. Oh. That's a red flag. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's true. Although I also, although I do really like her brother, played by um Bob Odenkirk. I think it was. Dude, yeah. Bob Odenkirk is one of the Saul. funniest, one of the funniest individuals I like have ever seen in entertainment. Like his show with Do- David Cross and like Tom Kenny, like that sketch show is just so funny. Wait, are you talking about the one from the the early nineties? Yeah, Mr. Show with David and Bob. Oh yeah, like yeah, I heard or that like Bob just- and David. Uh, Jill Taylor, like Karen, like the voice of Karen, and yeah. um, and Wayne Knight were also on that show. Yeah, that's, I think that's where I, Jill and Tom met and then eventually got married. That's right. That's a really lovely story. Is this the same Bob Odenkirk that made uh, Better Call Saul? Yes, yeah. he, he before Better Call Saul, he was uh, a really funny dude. Wow. And there, there's a bunch of jokes from that show that I don't think I could say here because they're very offensive. Yeah, and I will say, like, I also love when um, a Lassa girl, like, what I was talking about with a Lassa girl, like, the relationship with her kids, I think it's, I think it really got improved here, because when a Lassa girl sees her kids, like, um, she said, you came for us, and, like, don't be mad, and she hugs them, saying that she's really proud of them, I'm like, that's another thing that really got to me, because it shows how far they came, in terms of, like, caring each other, and accepting, like, having them be proud of their powers, like, I felt everything came full circle there, and it was a really great scene. I also love what Jack was like patting the mom's patting the mom's hand too. Like everything about Jack, everything about Jack Jack is just too funny in this film. Like even with the raccoon scene, like the scene where like the the bit with the cookies. There's a great theory I learned about Pixar. Like this is one I can actually believe happened because when Jack Jack is going through different universes, remember in Monsters Inc. when a monster says. Well, kid jumped over me and blasted her car with its laser vision. Another one says, <laughs> another one picked me up with his mind powers and shook me like a doll. I'm like, this is a what? Pixar theory I can actually get behind. What if? What if they actually weren't lying? <laughs> yeah. What if it this actually... One... That's funny. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that is a great idea. Like, I'm totally behind it. Like, Pixar, please make that canon because I, I will totally support that. Like, obviously, they didn't have it in mind, but, like, they could totally recon it to be that way if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, no. So, they, all in all, so, all in no. all, so, all in all, while I really enjoy Monster University, Incredibles 2, I think it gives me a lot more to talk about. I, I love that film to pieces. Like, it totally, get, it totally blows the first one out of the water, in my opinion. So, I love you, Monsters University, but my point goes to Incredibles 2. All right, we're tied so far. Nick? All right, so um, I guess I'll start with Monsters U since I don't have much else to talk about with that one. Um, I will say I do love the ending. I love the last 20 minutes, and I think it's one of the better endings that Pixar's had. 
I just wish it didn't take an hour and ten minutes to get to that point, because honestly, the rest of the movie just didn't do a thing for me. Like, I made the obvious comparison to Animal House. Um, I actually watched Animal House when I was in college, and I didn't really get into that movie either. Uh, funnily enough, I actually watched it after Monsters U, because I watched Monsters U in theaters, which was right before my senior year of high school. Hmm. I remember liking it fine, but not remembering a ton about it. It feels like that kind of uh, thing I've had where Family Guy is one of the first thing I, things I watched and a lot of their jokes come from old movies. And so when I watched those old movies, I was like, wait a minute, they stole that from Family Guy 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, like I saw Family Guy's rendition of the Shawshank Redemption before watching the actual movie. Yeah, <laughs> and like in, in, in that rendition, they do that joke with the lamp on the table. I had no idea that that was from... Uh, crap what is that movie called with uh Ch chevy chase and it's it's like golf uh it's caddyshack? Caddyshack. Caddyshack. caddyshack yeah i had no idea that was a caddyshack joke <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah. uh going back to monsters U, I can't really say much else that hasn't already been said um some good jokes thrown in there great ending it's kind of the same issue with as brave for me where it doesn't get really good until, like, the last act. And uh, if I can be brutally honest here, I think I preferred the first hour of Brave over the first hour of Monsters University. Like, I will say, like, one, mm. one, one thing that did bother me about this one is, like, the scaring uh, aspect didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, because there's that one scene where Sully's getting tested, and, like, he, you know, roars, and the principal's like what you did would have made her cry and not scream. And therefore the parents would have come in and you would have been discovered. It's like, but if she screamed, wouldn't she, the parents have also come in too? <laughs> uh, I think the, I think the idea, I think the idea is more that, you know, she's, if she cries and they don't get uh, the power, which also doesn't make sense because when boo cried in the first movie, it caused all sorts of power outages. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, no, I will mm. say that's a no. I will say this about Monsters Burn. Let me just let me just say just one thing, and then you did bad. It had probably the scariest librarian I've ever seen until Bitsy Greens stole its thunder. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know what episode you're talking about. Uh, oh, really? An homage to a quiet place. Uh, okay, so, I, I still haven't I still haven't gotten that far in the series. Okay, oh, sorry. you're gonna you're gonna love it. I won't spoil a damn thing. Thank you. Okay, sorry, Nick. You you can continue. Okay. Um, so yeah, it kind of feels, I kind of had the same feelings watching this as I did watching Brave, except slightly less so. I said Brave would probably miss my bottom five. Monsters University barely makes my bottom five. They're right next to each other, but I think Brave is slightly better. Not sure how controversial that's going to be. Oh well. Hmm. Now, Incredibles 2. First thing I want to say is that this was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. Because I saw this on opening day when I was living in Miami for the summer. Um, it was at a time where I wanted to make the effort to go see more movies as they came out since I was finally making money. Uh, spoilers, this was the only movie I saw when I was down there because the theater was terrible. <laughs> Way too overcrowded. Uh, don't, go to, don't go to a movie theater in Miami on a Friday night. <laughs> anyway. But yeah one of the best theater experiences because 
it was completely packed with people who had been waiting nearly 15 years for this movie to come out. And from the reactions everyone was having, it lived up to the hype that it was building up. And I was right there along with it. Uh, I thought the action scenes were really great, uh, especially with Elastigirl and Screenslaver. Uh, And the scenes with Bob just trying to be in his children's lives and take over the parenting role, that was great too. Uh, What I love, like we talk about the math is math scene and how exasperated he's getting at the fact that he can't help Dash with his homework, but the fact that he makes the extra effort to learn the math on his own so that he can effectively teach it to Dash I think was a great touch. Just all the efforts that he's going to to help to make his kids' lives better, even at his own expense, and the way that they return the favor by just letting him sleep for 17 hours, that's a great family dynamic Mm. that I really loved seeing. And one scene that hasn't been brought up yet is the scene with Edna Mode and Jack-Jack. I love... I love the relationship between those two. I love how Edna is taking on kind of this, uh, like kind of this like, guardian role, like like a like a crazy aunt. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like crazy you, crazy fun aunt, like crazy in a good way. Exactly. Like, and, did, did, did did you ever see the short with um Edna and Jack Jack that um, came after it? I don't think I, I have. Not. Oh, you gotta! It is really funny. I'm putting it on the list. Uh, and uh let's see uh the villain yeah she's kind of lame and unlike a situation like tarzan where the villain was also kind of lame but it's more about the protagonist in a superhero movie the villain does play a much bigger part and when you have a villain like this it really takes away from the experience a little bit and it's about as boring a motivation as possible, and the only thing that could have made it worse is if they, is if for whatever reason they tried to sympathize with her. Instead, they kind of go the Brooklyn Nine Nine route, where it's like, you know, cool motive, still murder. Hmm. So I'm glad they didn't go that far. But aside from that, she was easily the weak point of this movie. But she's pretty much the only weak point of this movie. I'm not sure how I'd compare this to Incredibles One. Sometimes I like this one a little bit better. Other times I like the first one a little bit better. If you've seen uh, on the Discord chat my Pixar rankings, I have this one one spot above the predecessor, but I still kind of go back and forth on that. And I really like the first Incredibles, and I really like this movie. It gets my vote. I'm inclined to agree. Real quick, can we talk about how her plan makes absolutely no sense? Like, she wants... She wants to legalize, she wants to make sure that superheroes are illegal forever, and she does this by getting superheroes legal. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Like, yeah. Is the we public really supposed to believe no. that they that the supers would turn on the public immediately after being legalized? Right. It's, it's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, yeah. I guess it's my turn now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. think Incredibles 2. Monsters U, I found to be lower tier for a lot of the reasons they said. It's an alright movie. Not too much outright bad about it, but just not too much outright good. Incredibles 2 had a lot of good. I mostly agree with Yoda Jack's assessment. But if I'm going to add another complaint, I think there should have been a time skip. 
Oh, yeah, I, Wes, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, because... Having it set immediately after the first one kind of feels a bit jarring. You expect us to think that all this stuff, all these legal battles wouldn't have been done so soon after the big victory. But I mean, the, the popularity yeah. of superheroes is probably at an all-time high now, so... The thing that yeah, bothers me... It didn't really bother me that much. Well, because it's like they're trying to fight for it, but it doesn't seem like anyone's really opposed to superheroes being legal. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. just everyone's cheering them on. But the thing that bothers yeah, me, the, what bothers me about not doing a time skip is the fact that all the voice actors sound a lot older, and it, they're playing these characters that are supposed to be the same age as they were like 10 years ago. It's a little distracting for me from a voice acting standpoint. I think it should have been at least one year, like at least a one year skip. Right. But other than that, I thought the action was good. I liked the family dynamics quite a bit. And I love how we get more dimensions to Jack. Jack, that kid's going to be special growing up. I'd love to see Incredibles 3 where he's like five or something. Do you think we'll get an Incredibles movie where all the kids are adults? Maybe. Next Generation. <laughs> I feel Incredibles like... Next Generation. Make it happen, Pixar. It, give us a Spy Kids 4 treatment, please. <laughs> but that, yeah, yeah, but make it good. Yeah. but, but I throw, on Ricky, throw on Ricky Gervais if you want to. Yeah, but I yeah. voted Incredibles 2 because it does hook me more and it leaves me feeling more content. It like Nick said, it's a virtual tie with the first one, quality-wise. And despite a few gripes, I did prefer it to Monsters U. So, Yoda, looks like you're going against the grain on this one. What do you mean? Uh, oh, no, he's talking about me. I think, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. after thinking about it, really the only thing I do like about Monsters University really a lot is the ending, now that I really think about it. I think, yeah, I think I'll... Think you were allowed to hold your vote. I know. I, I just like I'm trying to think about it more, but I'll I'll stick with Monsters U for now. I'll stick my neck out for it, but uh, I'll just uh, okay. I'll that's that a good call. Changes I like that. And now we have to see what the seating is. I think it's yeah, it's number eleven, Soul, the new film, versus the number twenty-two film, Cars Three. How? We just talked about two. 22? I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah, how, yeah, but, how, um, how ironic that a film with the main character named 22 is going up against Seed 22. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah but also, hey, um, for the audience out there, Soul yeah, is Yoda. still pretty... Well, um, I can still hear yeah, me. Yeah, it just means that you're in internet's a little fuzzy uh but like my my oh, speakers aren't gonna be aren't gonna be dis disrupted when you you're done recording this you're no. fine okay thanks just want to make sure go ahead wesley sorry about that yeah, but anyway i'm issuing a disclaimer soul's been out for about three weeks but that's still pretty new so if you haven't seen it and you have disney plus pause the stream right now go watch it and come back when you're done we'll be waiting Although I will say this, um, the Russo brothers, when Endgame came out, they released the spoiler embargo two weeks after that movie came out. Uh, so I just want to all two weeks after Soul came out, but still, just as a heads up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Uh, I, think Wes, I think Wes, I think Wes, you haven't gone first for one of these. Yep. How about you go first? Okay. 
Soul. It's pretty clear it's Soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say this much. Cars 3 is a better film than Cars 2. Plot-wise, story-wise, having Lightning go through a bit of a character arc, seeing this sort of progress and the and the new character, it feels a little bit more like a good sports movie. I'd probably even say it's better than the original because it has that sort of drive and it has a better conflict, but still, <laughs> Soul. It's Soul. Soul is kind of like Coco. This is one that should hobnob with the big boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, although Cars 3 isn't that bad, I will say, I think we'll have, I have more to talk about with Soul when, uh, it, later on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's be another one where it's just Cars 3, because we're all in agreement. Because here's yeah. the thing, I, I can't wait to talk about, I want to talk about Soul in depth so badly, because that film connected with me on so many levels, I can't even yeah, begin same. to describe. <laughs> And I watched it. Too. I watched it with my roommate too, and we both had a really good time. And by the end of it, we were both like, "Man, that gave me a lot to think about." It, it was, was like, film, like aesthetically, the animation, the the outer space, the whole world ideas, the the, Jer- the Jerry's and Terry's, the Jerry's and Terry, yeah. the, the one Terry, like the death. <laughs> Although, uh, if I had a complaint, I think it should have had more of an epilogue. Here's the thing. I think the fact that there was no epilogue works perfectly in this context because What happens to Connie? Too? What happens to Connie? Cuz when with it, all of that, it's all it's all about how you just you got to live life and you I'm just going to do whatever goes my way. It, obviously I'm going to go more in depth about that later on, but I think yeah. it's Ed Cannon the 22 was born as a Sherpa because they were zooming right in at the Himalayas. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. There's actually a really fun Pixar theory I've heard where Soul, where, where 22 was actually born as another Disney character. People are saying like, oh, she probably grew up to be Russell, or she maybe grew up to be like this character, one of the chefs from Ratatouille. Like, it's, I, that's actually another mm. theory I find. Oh, can we talk about how this movie totally makes a knock at Karen's? Oh, yeah. uh, sure, go ahead. What? What? He's he's like, why do you sound like a middle aged white lady? And <laughs> she's like, oh, I can sound like whatever I want to. I just choose this voice because it annoys people the most. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, that's that's really funny. I also like yeah. this show too with Terry, was like, where they say like. Like, we give you this award, Terry, because, like, you just really want one just because you're self-entitled. But then when we see 22 and uh, 22 breakthroughs, like, well, I'll take that trophy. They weren't even just given that award, but they just, like, decided to take it away just because they... Like, Terry just wants his trophy just because he wants to feel good about themselves. And the fact that they take it away is just so freaking funny. It cracked right. me up. Um, I don't also, know how... When, when the main guy, I forget his name... Joe? Joe, him. The when most- he, yeah, Joe, when he comes back in the body of a cat, I got Emperor's New Groove flashbacks. <laughs> I, I am so, I am so glad that they hid that in the trailers because when that happened, I was so surprised and I was on the floor because I was not expecting that at all because <laughs> so, so many animated movies would like market the hell out of that, like, oh, it's gonna be like a body swap thing. But no, I thought we all thought that he was just gonna be dead the whole movie and he wouldn't come back until the very end. I had. 
I'm so glad they kept that a secret. Yeah, but um, it's like Emperor's New Groove, but in New York now. <laughs> now, the first thing uh, that came to my mind uh, when Joe uh, inhabited the body of the cat was that the joke they were making is that cats inherently have no soul. <laughs> I thought it was that they have nine lives. Well, the, we did see the cat's soul like going up to the great beyond, but mm-hmm. then they kind of retconned that at the ending where the cat's alive anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know how that. I think that I think, feeds into the nine lives thing. Um, I, I I think that I think the Jerry's and Terry's brought the cat back, like through stuff we didn't see. That's like how I knew it was an error. Uh, I think. Uh, oh, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think. What? Yeah. Also, this is one of the few animated movies where where the music actually matches what the characters are playing. The yes. only other animated film I can think of that does it that accurately is Rainbow Rocks. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah Rainbow Rocks. It does match. The movements do match up with what they're playing in Rainbow Rocks. Uh, what I about need Coco? to watch that again. I need to pay attention to that. What about Coco? Oh, Coco. Um, that too, I think. But I wasn't paying as much attention to yeah. the instruments there. I yeah. did not. I, I did not expect that at all. Because <laughs> I I watched that movie recently. And I just, I guess, like, I just didn't pay much attention to it. Yeah, I, it's soul, it, it's easier soul, to notice in Soul because uh, it's on a piano and each key matches with a specific note. Like, there's no multiple strings or different ways you have to blow to get different pitches. So it's easier to spot there. And that was one of the first yeah. things I noticed the first time Joe went into the zone. That It blew right. my mind how detailed they made that. I watched this with my mom, and when they talked about the zone and the yeah. weird soul distribution, she's turned to me and said, "I feel like I'm on drugs." <laughs> I, I, as as a theater actor, I was on the floor when she like messed with that one like Shakespearean person and like made her lose her, uh, like make her forget her line. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, that hits too close to home for me, man." And then and we find out that she's the reason the Knicks always lose. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I will say this. I another thing I liked about the body swap deal is um one thing that animation does that kind of peeves me off is how they'll just also switch the vocal cords of the characters. So now like if a uh, a little girl and a man like switch voices, you'll see a little girl's voice coming out of the man. I never really liked that be- for a few reasons because I feel it takes away potential of the voice actors like trying out new tones and it also doesn't make sense from a world standpoint because why does nobody like notice that their voice is completely different but in this movie they establish that even though they're talking to each other in their normal voices everyone else hears the voices that they're used to i appreciate that they established that right away that is a good, good one, even though I'd actually never been bothered by the voice. And, like, sometimes hearing a different voice come out of a different body, I actually think it's, like, really funny. Yeah. Like, admit, so it, hearing, admit it, Futurama, hearing Leela's voice out of Farnsworth's body is hilarious. I just, yeah. I just, I really like it, when, like, in Sonic Boom, for example, I just think about how awesome those scenes are. Because there's an episode where Sonic and Eggman switch bodies, and it's just so awesome hearing Roger Craig Smith do his impersonation of Eggman, and then hearing Mike Pollock do do his impersonation as Sonic. I just, it's just, I think it's so much funnier than just switching their voices. But that's just me. What's the, what's the name of that episode, though? Like, I, I got the, meteor, the meteor. 
right? But they, I mean, right, but they justify this one story. It's the soul. We just hear them in their voices. Right. Yeah. It's all. It's all just abstract. It's all thought. Which means, which makes that emotional scene with Joe and his mom hit all the harder. Oh, oh yeah, that, that was that a really movie. good scene. Oh yeah, Th- that really lo- got me. There are a lot of good scenes. Like I remember the the barbershop scene. Uh, it's I I'm only bringing this up because it's important for the context of the scene. My roommate, uh, I watched this with. His name is Traylon, and he is black. And when we got to that barbershop scene, he he was saying, "Dude, like that. I really like that barbershop scene because it felt like so accurate to the types of barbershops that I go to, like the kind of culture and like the inside jokes that you're used to. How they're." There's that one person. It's like, oh well, you can go to like his booth, and but and then he was like, you know what? No, I'm good because when you're in a barbershop, and if somebody doesn't isn't cutting somebody's hair, that's normally a sign that they're not very good at cutting hair. <laughs> yeah, I have that go-to guy also. Yeah, yeah, I also like um when that guy when he says like, yeah, I have a lot of appointments here. You have to wait, but as you see him, oh no, 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 you, you got you got to sit here right now. I love that. I love that. Scene. I love when he does that. Yeah, it's, it was a nice. The it, I appreciate whenever body swap happens, like it happens for a reason because with him like seeing, like taking a moment to look at his life from a different perspective, he realizes like he could be having completely different relationships with people. Like he didn't know like the kind that this barber that he went to all his life wanted to be a veter- wanted to be a veterinarian, but he didn't realize that because he didn't never asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking of the barbershop scene, uh, the one guy who was dunking on uh, Joe, f- like accusing him of lying about performing with Dorothy Williams, I thought like once he was introduced, he was going to be kind of a recurring antagonist, like he was going to try and sabotage the show later on. But what they did with him was a lot funnier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I cracked up what the way she said. Yeah, let's just put you back to normal, and he's just like he's just like freaking out. Seriously, <laughs> bad. That was a great scene. No, but seriously, you will die if you keep eating processed foods. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I just had this talk on Twitter. I told everyone high fructose corn syrup is deadly. And oh, yeah. Davi Diggs voiced that character, which yeah. which, I, which I think is one of the funniest like cameos for a Broadway <laughs> star. It's just. Yeah. Like they could have had anyone voice him, but they had chose Davy Diggs, and it's really funny. All right, we've been talking yeah. a lot about Soul here. Like uh, we we said, we were gonna only talk about Cars three, yeah. which but I, I, I guess we wanna, just really like. I kind of want to steer it back to Cars three for just a little bit because I don't think it's entirely fair that it's getting completely ignored here. Honestly, I think Cars three is the best of the Cars trilogy by a considerable margin. Like it was the only one where. I actually felt engaged with the story and the characters because Cars 1 didn't do much for me. We've already talked enough about Cars 2, but I like Lightning's story. Um, I like... Can't remember the other character's name. The trainer. Cruz. Cruz? Yellow car. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, female car. <laughs> uh, yeah. Her name is Cruz. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I like their relationship, um, and I like, and I like the compromise they make at the very end, which, uh, from what I've looked up, is actual is technically legal in actual like stock car races. Interesting. Like as long I, as I, I didn't actually like as long as the team is still being represented. Too so. 
Yeah. This movie it's, just pretends Cars 2 never happened, so yeah. Probably for the best. It made it doesn't even appear on it that much. Uh, oh man, I'm looking at the voice actors. Uh, I I didn't realize that Army Hammer was uh, Jackson Storm. He's uh, one of the wink. He played the Winklevoss twins in Social Network. Yeah, and, and Nathan- famously the Lone Ranger. And but we, Michael Keaton did not return as Chick Hicks. Like they got somebody else to voice him. Oh yeah. How- oh. No, you mean Val Kilmer, the other Batman who has the mustache. Oh, I. Th- why did I think it was Michael Keaton? <laughs> they both played Batman. That's probably why. <laughs> Wow, that's something. Oh, wait. No, it is Michael Keaton. Oh, wait. Shoot. Oh. Now no, I'm the confused. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It is Michael Keaton. <laughs> now I'm the confused one. And he does yeah. have a mustache. Yeah, they, well, yeah, like you said, they both play Batman. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what I was talking about now. <laughs> Cars 3. Chick yeah, X. oh, it's... It's a it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I it's the only one that feels like an actual sports movie out of all the Cars films. Which I think it's a little weird that it took them this long to finally get that story right. Right. But uh, oh well, like we we learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But we still it's still like uh the world building is still a problem because we're supposed to believe that lightning is getting too old to race but he looks exactly the same like he doesn't look any different so it's kind of it's that tonal dissonance once again marring the experience for me yeah Owen Wilson doesn't even sound older he sounds exactly the same (laughs) so I guess I should say my say my talk on cars 3 now oh yeah this has been a little disorganized who wants to go next (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Like, Cars Three is a film that I can't really remember if I saw the whole thing or not. Like, I have memories of it. I have. I'm like, did I see the whole thing or not? But like, I don't even remember it. Like, something I've like been punching myself trying to think. Like, okay, before this podcast, I want to see Cars Three. I want to get like a better grasp on it so I know what I'm talking about. And I just couldn't find the right time to do it. I'm. I feel like such an uncultured swine for it, and I'm just no. like, maybe I'll what? Huh? I just, I just laughed. Yeah, and like, I just like, maybe I'll watch it another day. Maybe I'll get like a bad grass up, but another day. But I will say this: my thoughts on Cars Three are nowhere near as funny as my sister's. Oh really? Um, uh, a little fun fact: like, um, back like in the. I think it was around 20, 2015 to 2018. My sister worked in like a movie tavern and she, she worked in a lot of movies. She told me she had to work during cars three. She, and she said, if I have to hear Owen Wilson say, wow, one more time, <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, my sister has a lot of great stories about the movie tavern. They just crack me up. She's just like, oh my gosh. She told me well, all the movies she had to work with, the movies she like absolutely refused not to, not to work in, they're all really funny. Like, I have to share with you sometime. Oh, I can't, really I can't funny. wait. I can't wait to hear those stories. When, when, you said like, the, when you said the wow thing, it actually remind, or 
Actually, finish your th thought first, and I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Yeah, like, like she told me she had, she was working, had stories about working like on stuff like Trolls. She told me something about Milo Pony the movie. Also, she worked with It. She, she told me a lot of fun stories. So, you, what were you saying? What are you saying, Carrot? When you said "Wow," it reminded me of one of the now voices entries that uh, uh, it was actually one of the entries made by the winner of the overall competition, and basically, like they posted a video with sort of like an SFM style and it, w it took place on like a spaceship and they were like trying to master cloning. And someone was like, by the way, um, I mass I think uh, my cloning is defective a bit. Like I made too many. Well, what do you mean? And then like they opened the door and it was just like a bunch of Owen Wilson's all saying like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> all, at the, all at the same time. And someone was like, well, time to get the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's also that great right. video of um, Revenge of the Sith where all the lightsaber sounds were replaced with just Owen Wilson went, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I wonder how I wonder how he feels about that uh, that reputation he's gained. I, I think he's like he se he seems like a guy with a great sense of humor. I, I'm I'm sure it's like similar to Keanu Reeves being like the guy who's known as saying whoa. <laughs> Yeah, or, or even like Michael Caine, like people who said like he does invitations of himself. Yeah, ow, ow. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think almost has a good sense of humor about like, that. It's it's all in good fun. Yeah. We do it because we do it out of love. We kid because we love. Yeah, and, ab and about Soul though, I will say like, I'm, I was like really excited to see this film, but like, but a little. A little before I saw it, my sister was like kind of saying like she was like not interested in seeing it because it looked kind of like an inside out clone. And um, it's the year twenty twenty, and like there were a lot of films where like I was looking forward to, but then I didn't like like Scoob. I didn't like. I was looking forward to, and I didn't like Sponsor the Run. I was looking forward to, I didn't like. I was like, please, please don't be this like, the same for Soul. Please, please <laughs> let this be good. Until I saw, it, I'm just like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This movie is so freaking good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Gr so glad that we ended this ended that year on a high note. Screw what 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 was one of them that you said? Screw Scoob. Scoob. Sco oh, Scoob. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm I'm just gonna pretend I didn't yeah. hear that. I don't want to talk about that movie. Um, network, yeah. But yeah, funny how they made the Ratatouille musical, but Soul and Coco are both about music. So maybe we could try those next. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Toy Story got a musical too. I think it was like on a, a Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, <laughs> but the reason why that, but Joss Whedon had a few choice words as to why that one didn't work. It's a movie yeah. about characters who can't confess their feelings to each other in speech. Uh, which which character? Which, uh, I'm sorry, which film? All of them, like Woody and Buzz, can't communicate in speech. So why would <laughs> they speak about it? Oh well. Uh. Uh, uh, hopefully it's not as bad as the, the Looney Tunes musical that they've been doing, where it's like, well, by all means, if you can, then dance. All right, if you insist. Now watch me whip. Oh, what? dear. Well, if you think you could do better, Rabbit, then dance. Okay, if you insist. All right, folks, so much you got. Now watch me whip. Now watch me dance. What? When did that happen? When did that happen? How did they screw that up? It's... It, it's a live action like like people dressed up in costumes as the Looney Tunes characters. They got Jeff Bergman to do all like the voiceover stuff, and what? it's it, it's a 
I'm gonna see if I can find a clip real quick, and like you get, you guys just keep talking. That can't be real. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, we we get to rag. I thought we'd use this for Cars Three, but it ended up being a soul demonstration instead. Yeah, here, here we go. I am still upset that they didn't use Soul Man in the credits. Yeah, that was a <laughs> missed opportunity. Though I will say Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score was pretty nice. Very ambient, very yeah. down-tempo. Oh yeah, another social network connection. Trent Reznor is a fantastic composer. I love that guy so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, wait, I mean, he was the guy who composed, who composed Soul? Like, man, for a second, I was, I was just assumed it was just Michael, G, Michael Giacchino again. Well, nope. Trent, Trent Reznor also did the music. Yeah. Man, yeah. between uh, Old Town Road last year and Seoul this year, he's been having quite the hot streak. Yeah. So is this the wrap-up? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think, I think we're getting close to there. Yeah. 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 All right. We've said our piece. Now go out and vote. We don't know what the Sweet 16 will be next week until the, until the final votes are cast because of reseeding. But until that time, it's been nice having you with us. Take care. Uh, thank you all so much for joining. Thanks. See ya. Oh, Wes. By the way, uh, I wanted to save this till the end. Uh, I I remember seeing a really funny joke on the uh, comment section for Soul, but I wanted to save it till the end so that way you guys could be like, uh, uh, if it's if it's a bit too dark, like we'll just not have it. But if it's fine, uh, I guess we could like put this at the very end along with the that clip. But uh, uh, do you, would, are you guys uh, fine with hearing the joke? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so, oh gosh, 1995. What if toys had souls? 1997 uh, or whatever. What if bugs had yeah, souls? I, I think I know where uh, this is going. 2007. What if rats had souls? 2006. What if cars had souls? 2015. What if emotions had souls? Uh, 2020. What if black people had souls? Oh, <laughs> I knew. I knew that's where I it was going. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my